episode number 33, available on just about all podcast platforms there, J-Ham. Yes. iTunes, Spotify, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts, subscribe, listen, and rate us. Become a patron at MitchUnfiltered.com mm-hmm. for as little as $5 a month. Mm-hmm. Support the longevity of the show and have access to all the bonus content, and I think you'll agree I've never had so much emphasis on becoming a patron as we are on this episode 33. We will explain in just a few moments. Also, we want you to make sure that you click on each past episode that you haven't heard, even for just a few minutes. It helps us. And if you ever want to know anything about the podcast, make sure that you follow us on Twitter, uh, Mitch underscore Seattle or Jason D. Hamilton. We're always talking about the podcast. And if you're wondering, okay, why wasn't there a podcast on Monday? Is there a podcast this week? You can always find out all the latest and greatest information, uh, the progress of the Mitch Unfiltered podcast by um, checking us out on Twitter. Also, Mm -hmm. we have a Mitch Unfiltered Facebook page. Lots of great content that complements the show. Pictures from the Daniels. Awesome event that we did last week. We want you to like us. We want you to follow us on Facebook and the Mitch Unfiltered Facebook page. Guests on episode 33, we're going to talk to the two guys that lead Unfiltered Madness. Besides me, because my bracket is perfect. Because you don't have your bracket. Okay, sorry. It's because there's nobody who can who can say okay. yay or nay to that. There's no confirmation to that. Perfect. Sure. 16 of 60. You've gotten yeah. every single... Every You've gotten every pick right. Yeah. You sure? No. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And besides the two guys that uh, lead out of 2000, the unfiltered madness presented by Evergreen Golf Call, we've got New York Times bestselling author Monty Burke on this episode 33. He wrote a book called Nick Saban, The Making of a Coach, a bestseller. Mm. What drives Alabama coach Nick Saban? And what is it about his upbringing that has shaped him into someone that a lot of us, and my hand is raised, don't like very much? You don't like him for a lot of dolphin reasons. Well, we're going to get into that. Okay, we'll get it. But it's but it's more it's more than just the dolphins thing. He rubs people the wrong way with his personality, okay. and we're going to get behind the we're going to go behind the curtain on Nick Saban. But Monty Burke is here for two. I don't know that I've ever done a guest where there was two completely different topics that we were discussing. He's also written a lot and researched a lot. One of my, I would say it's one of my top three or four favorite sports stories ever. Mm -hmm. And it's my number one favorite sports business story ever. And I'm wondering, when I mention this to you, whether you know the story. A lot of people don't know the story. Do you know the story of the brothers who owned an ABA team in St. Louis who were paid out when the ABA and the NBA merged and they were paid to go away. All the owners of teams that folded were paid $3 million to go away. This is whenever, 1970s. But two brothers, the owners of the St. Louis team of the ABA said, we don't want the $3 million. We want something else instead. And they cut a different deal with the NBA. Do you know that story? I don't know this story. It is my favorite sports business story ever. And it's probably one of my top three to four all-time sports stories. I'm glad you don't know. Listen to Monty Burke. Tell you are gonna just you you're gonna laugh. 
you're going to be intrigued. You're going to say to yourself, you're going to say to yourself, how did I not know that story? It is one, it is the greatest business move. Let's call business. Straight business. It's the greatest, you'll agree, it's the greatest business decision in the history of modern day sports. Oh. What these two brothers did. Okay. All All right. And Monty Burke is going to tell that story. Episode 33 is brought to you by Daniel's Broiler. Whether it's a birthday, anniversary, or another special occasion, you won't find a better spot to celebrate with the best steaks anywhere, fabulous seasonal seafood, and the service and ambiance to match. Leshy Marina, South Lake Union, Bellevue Place, and now the second floor of the new Hyatt Regency in downtown Seattle. Evergreen Golf Call, the premier wealth manager in the Northwest right here in Bellevue, with offices in Portland, San Francisco, and the Napa Valley, managing over $2 billion in assets, the 2018 fastest-growing wealth manager named by the Puget Sound Business Journal. Zeke's Pizza. I've been at so many locations in the last few weeks, it's tough to count. Let me see. Capitol Hill for the Super Bowl, Bothell for the Pac-12 tournament, Tacoma last Friday for the NCAA tournament between the Dogs and Utah State, and then Bellevue on Sunday with my family to watch some of the other second-round games. Mm -hmm. Why? Because I love the pizza I love the craft beer. I love the ambiance. Great spot to watch NCAA tournament games and any games. Are you ready for episode 33? And be careful when you say you're ready because you, it's your turn. And people are waiting to see if you're going to pull a Mitch and wimp out or you're going to take a stand on Mm -hmm. episode 33. I am ready. Are you? Ready. You've given it some thought. Oh, of course. You know people are waiting. Ready. All right, here it is, episode 33. Unfiltered. It's okay to have a game plan going in, but when you're so stubborn and unwilling to get away from it because the other team is essentially daring you to do so, then we get into stupidity. Unfiltered. Guess that's what really kind of infuriates me, that we go to the offseason after a game that the quarterback was really not given a chance to win the football game for you. That's a quarterback who's the face of the organization. That's a quarterback who, as I say, in a couple of years or in a year, they're going to give, I don't know, $25, $30 million a year to. And yet it just feels to me like they took the ball out of his hands. Mitch is unfiltered. Jay Ham, everybody knows by now, at least most people know by now, that we're going to be making a change to Mitch Unfiltered on April 1st. The format of how we're doing things, we're going to explain what we're doing, why we're doing it. We're going to get into a very transparent conversation about mm-hmm. the health and the future mm-hmm. of this Mitch Unfiltered podcast with Jason Hamilton. And I've got a chance of a lifetime. I think it's a chance of a lifetime. Would you agree? I mean, you've done it, so... It is certainly an experience of a lifetime. Thanks to Evergreen Golf Call, who is the title sponsor of the bracket filling out contest, we're going to do something that we did on the radio for years. Oh my gosh, people are going to freak out when you say this. We're going to give away a trip for two to Pebble Beach with us. Now I say us, you've got to check your schedule. As of the time of this recording, I can tell you I'm going. Yes. And let me just let me just get into what the the prize is. And we'll tell everybody a little bit later how exactly you win the prize. Airfare to San Jose, 
rental car in San Jose. We drive all of us to Pebble Beach. We stay at the lodge at Pebble Beach, which I have never stayed in mm-hmm. in my me, life. Me neither. We play Pebble Beach on Saturday, July, I think it's 27th, and we play Spyglass Hill on Sunday. Oh, man. And then we drive back to San Jose and come home. A weekend on the Monterey Peninsula in July, which is one month after the United States Open, Open. is played Father's at Pebble Day. Beach. Yeah. So we have a contest Thanks to Evergreen Golf Call. Unbelievable. We're bringing back the championship challenge. We're calling it the Mitch Unfiltered Majors Challenge. And we'll tell everybody how to play on this episode number 33. All right? Oh, yeah. So you're invited. Thank you. You're in. I know. No tournaments. No. You know, get get rid of some of these <laughs> some of these other obligations that you have. How's your bracket? My bracket's good. You don't know. My bracket's great. You don't know. My bracket is perfect in the Sweet 16. You think it's perfect in the Sweet. You think you're 16 for 16. I mean, here we are. We have these guys on telling us that they're in the lead in our bracket contest, and they're 15 of 16. Mm -hmm. And so you think you're 16 of 16, even though you don't have the bracket with you. Well, we talked about this on a late-night episode in when I was in Columbus, Columbus, Ohio. Yeah. And um, I'm pretty sure... I have to go back and listen to that episode. Yeah. Because we talked about our 16 and our, our 8 and our 4. How do you figure that your bracket in our contest isn't sitting at the top if our leaders have 15 out of 16 and you're saying you've got all 16 out of 16? Are you talking about what's online on the Evergreen Golf, what, what, golf what, Call? Whatever, yeah, whatever, you, whatever you want to call your official bracket. I don't know. You're sitting there in all this Washington gear. You look like you can play tomorrow. Yeah. you got eligibility left. Mm-hmm. Uh Am I just to assume that you're 16 for you've gotten everyone? No, go right. back and listen to the episode. All of it's it's on tape. Okay, and anybody it's not that, tape anymore, by the way. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Tape. Everybody can listen if they rewind the tape. Yeah. They can listen to my my picks. Okay. All right. If you say so, I can tell you my bracket is still hanging in there. Mm-hmm. I was I was crappy early because yeah. Vegas was terrible in the first round of the NCAA A lot of tournament. favorites. One, two, threes. Yeah, but in the first round, oh yeah, Sorry. all kinds of upsets. Yes. All kinds. Vegas didn't know what they were doing yeah. in establishing the lines for the first round games. It's the worst performance by Vegas that I can remember in terms of setting lines. If you go back and look at the Vegas lines, I know you're not a lines guy, no. but if you go back and look at the Vegas lines for just the, fir- the 32 first round games, they were so off for the first time ever like nobody's business. Crap shoot. So I was I was terrible in the first round, but I leveled off. I've got 15 out of 16. No, I got 14 out of 16. Who are your two misses? I knew you were going to ask me that. Um, you don't know your own bracket? I, yeah, I do. Iowa State was one of them, yeah. and somebody else was the other. I don't yeah, know. I don't know who the somebody good. else. I'm glad you're, I've got, you're good about I, that. In Iowa State, I had them to the grade eight. So I, I have seven of my final eight. I've got four of my final four, mm-hmm. and I've got two of my final two. I'm going to bet. I'm. By the way, I'll tell you, I'm 469th place out of 2,000. So I'm in the top about 25%. Okay. okay. But if Texas Tech gets hot, I have them to the final four. 
if North Carolina and Duke play in the final game, if I somehow end up with the final, if Gonzaga gets knocked out, I got Gonzaga getting knocked out by Florida State in the rematch so of last I. year's NCAA tournament game. So if some some things go my way, I still can climb mightily. Climb the ladder. I can climb the old evergreen golf call ladder yeah. into respectability. I'm mm-hmm. already in a respectability. I don't know that I'm where you are. But I don't have any way of determining whether you're telling me the truth or not. Listen to episode 32. I have. I edited it. Took me 17 hours. Yeah, to edit and it. you would know that I'm 16 for 16. All right. Let's. I think. Let's. Uh, <laughs> before we name the episode, let me yeah. ask you a question. Yeah. The Duke. Ooh. The Duke finish oh against my. UCF. Yeah. All right. Let's start with R.J. Barrett's offensive rebound putback mm-hmm. to win the game. Mm-hmm. Shovey, shovey. Of course. But, pushy, pushy. But anytime when you're in that situation and it's basically a mosh pit, you're not going to call that. I mean, unless it's a, a blatant two-hand shove. Oh, come on. Don't give me that. Well, the guy that – either the guy was acting, the guy went flying. I mean, the guy that was inside of him, if you go back and look at it, he went in tumbling. S- in slow-mo, yes. He went tumbling. In real speed, it wasn't yeah. So as... it's a free-for-all. So you're allowed to push in that no, situation. No, I'm saying that officials tend to swallow their whistles on calls that would normally be called 38 minutes. Okay. And in the last... Do you two- like that? Are you okay with that? Yeah, I'm, I mean, I like it when it's for my team. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, it's not like that is an unknown thing. We see that a lot, and it right. happens a lot when, you know... Is it a block? Is it a charge? Is it a, look at the Zion Williamson when he went to the rim? That was my next question. I should have probably started with so that. So the push off, which would have been a charge in the first 38 minutes. Really? And then See? he goes body up against Taco Fall. But Taco is inside the halo. He's, he's inside. Yeah, I went but back he's still, and I looked at it. It doesn't matter. Inside the halo doesn't matter if he's vertical. Are you sure? I thought if you're inside the halo, it's never a charge. It's no, never no, no, a charge. No, no, no. You cannot you, draw a charge. You, no, 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 no. That's really no. So if you're inside that little arc, I thought there's, right, you're not he, allowed to he, draw a charge. You can be still be vertical. Yeah. The the offensive player doesn't have full rights all the time. If that player lowers his shoulder and you're inside the halo and he lowers his shoulder or he catches it inside the halo it, that does not matter okay see what, i don't know that to be true matter, i hope you're right what on that. matters is if a player is trying to establish position established position yeah and they've established position inside the halo you cannot try to establish if you're already standing in the halo two bodies are moving you're already under the rim the halo isn't an existing restraint see okay so are we talking about the same thing we can look i mean somebody probably knows the i mean you would know it better than i i was always under the i was always under the impression that if a defensive man's feet is either on that line or inside that halo towards the basket that as soon as his feet are in there there is no charge he cannot draw. A tra- it's always a block, right. If he's in that halo, so, and that's where Taco was when he went. I, I was thinking the first part of what you said. I was wondering whether you thought that was a little offensive a, foul, a little shove, it's a little an off- put, chicken little, wing, yeah, chicken wing offensive off. foul. But push they're not going to call that on on the the man no. of the tournament, the player of the tournament that no. everybody's waiting to see, no. right? But imagine, imagine this. So just to your just in thinking about what you're yeah. saying. I may be wrong. No, just, I, just I may be wrong. Two guys, one guy's going up for a dunk and another guy tries to block it. Right. They're both in the halo. Right. It's not always a foul. 
It's not always a foul. You're talking about established position for somebody standing on the halo to try to take a charge. Right. That is automatic, almost. I see. I, I, I thought, all I'm saying is, no charge can be called if the defensive player is standing That's within the That's absolutely not true. Imagine, okay. If, okay. Imagine, I, I imagine if Taco in that situation goes straight up and he's in the halo and Zion clears him out with the right hand and tries to dunk on him. See, that's wouldn't that wouldn't I wouldn't call that a charge. I would call that a offensive foul. A, an off, I would call that a, a clearing a, out. Yeah, a clearing out. Yeah. Right. So but it, that's not it the can case happen. here. It can he's happen straight up it can and his feet are in the halo. But the whole point is anything can happen in the halo okay. like that. Okay. Uh, no, don't get mad at me. No, I, not, I don't know. I'm not mad. I'm just You're saying. You're teaching me something. I'm trying to say, okay. imagine two big guys at the rim. Okay. One guy's in the halo. So they got two gift calls? Duke, you're say, you just said that twice in the final minute, in two of the most critical plays of the game, the push, the that push you off think the both of those calls in the first 38 minutes go against Duke. I do, and they swallowed the whistle on both of them. I do, in the last minute. I agree. And Duke prevails. Yes, I, I, I concur. And you have Duke winning the whole thing. I do. So you were happy about that. Well. I mean, I don't, I don't win a trip from Evergreen Golf Call to, right. to Napa Valley, but yeah. You've already won a trip to Pebble Beach what? if you take it. <laughs> do you hesitate any, do you hesitate no, any on Duke winning the national championship? Okay. And, and the reason, because we've seen this, and I think most teams that win the national championship have a game like that where they, they, I remember back when I was a player at UCLA and Boise against Missouri. Ty said he goes the length of they should have lost that game. He wins that on a buzzer beater. They go into win the that. It's happened time and time again where a team that wins the title needs that one game. More, more than not. More than not. You heard your boy Hop when he was on Unfiltered. Yeah. And I talking about that Oklahoma State game, right. which in you don't 03. remember in 03. Yes. Where they're down 20. They're down 20 in the late stages yeah. of the first half. And Jerry McNamara's got stitches. He's in the locker room getting stitches. They are done. Yeah. They are finished. And they come back and win that game barely and go on to win the national right. championship. And you're right. I think so. So, yeah, I, I, I think in and of itself, the Duke UCF game isn't, isn't an indication they're not going to win the national championship. I'll keep asking the question until the, the, the ball is tipped and the uh, one shining moment song is played. Mm-hmm. Are they going to run into a team that packs them so in that they're going to challenge? Uh, they're going to challenge Jones. They're going to challenge Williamson. They're going to say, "Hey, you can dribble all you want. We're going to have five guys here within twelve feet of the basket. Hit jumpers, R.J. Barrett. Hit jumpers, Cam Reddish, and you'll you win. Don't hit jumpers, and we'll play with you and might steal it at the end. Yeah, I don't, I don't I'm think, still concerned about that. I don't think Virginia Tech's that team. I'm not sure Michigan State's that team. I don't know that they get to that team unless they play Virginia in the final. So I think they can get all the way into the final game until they might see a team that does that to them defensively. Everybody else is good. Gonzaga's good. Michigan State is good. Virginia Tech is good. Okay. I just don't know that they face that team until they get to Virginia, which I don't expect them to play because I expect North Carolina to be in that game. Ready to name the episode? I thought we'd do that at the end. Well, I'm ready to do the first stage of for sure naming the episode. This is episode 33. 33. In our second segment, we'll talk about the change that we're going to make, why we're making it, and and get into that transparent conversation. Also, how do you win a trip for two to Pebble Beach 
with us, I think. Mm-hmm. This is like the Zeke's Super Bowl thing? Yeah, I guess it is until you tell me. <laughs> You're gonna you're gonna have to tell me a lot sooner because I got to make some reservations. <laughs> I got to make some air, fl- air airplane reservations. Uh, we'll do all that in the second segment. Here's your uh, here's your episode 33. It's it's on your shoulders. Mm-hmm. I'll try to help you as best as I can, mm-hmm. but it's on your shoulders. We'll do the local yokels. Let's get the uh, let's get the pathetic Mariners opening days here. I hate to bag on the Mariners because I love opening day. We'll talk about that in the last segment, but. Um, 33. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Darnell Coles. Oh, I love Darnell Bobby Coles. Wolcott, Ron Valone. Hey, in 2004, Bucky Jacobson wore 33. Whatever happened to him? What's he doing these days? Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. Is he me? Moving <laughs> Is Moving on. I'm kidding. Bucky's doing a morning show <laughs> on KJR. With Chuck. Yes. I'm just having fun. He happened to be 33. I saw his name. Yes. I thought I'd make a funny funny. Is that okay? It's fine. All right. I know what Bucky Jacobson's okay. doing these days. I'm well aware, and I don't like him sitting in my... He's sitting in my chair. <laughs> Tell him to get out of my chair. Um, anyway, Casper Wells, mm-hmm. uh, Jay Happ. Mm-hmm. There's your... There's your Jay Happ Jay or Jay Happ? Jay Happ. Zach Duke. Um, Seahawks. Mm -hmm. This is from 12thmanrising.com. They write, Well, to be honest, number 33 will not be one of the best numbers in Seahawks history. Dan Dornink Uh is the The best. He's followed closely by Daryl Williams. Mm. Dornink played seven seasons in Seattle. Williams just four, but he made eight picks in 1997. Based on the amount of time in Seattle, Dornink gets the nod here. Dr. Dan. That's right. He went on to become... A doctor yeah. in Yakima, I think. Yeah. Um, current Seahawk, Tedrick Thompson, wears number 33. Going to have to pass on both the Mariners okay. and the Seahawks. Okay, you yeah. pass. Mm-hmm. You do that. Um, Sonics, your boys? Yes. Here are the 33s mm-hmm. in Sonics history. Mm-hmm. For a minute, Frank Brukowski oh. wore 33, but that's not... Brickhouse? He, won it, he wore it in 86, but then he came back... Mm-hmm. And he was on the team for the NBA Finals, but I don't think he wore 33 when he came back because 33 was being worn by the Hawk. Mm, Hersey Hawkins. Hersey Hawkins. Bradley Brave. Yeah. yeah. So he's probably, well, Frank Brukowski, Stevie Johnson, mm-hmm. um, Hersey Hawkins, Patrick Ewing. P.U. For a half a second. Yeah. Sweating like a pig. No doubt. On the floor yep. at the Key Arena. Uh, I sent out, by the way, a tweet. Mitch underscore Seattle of Barry Ackerley shaking his hand, bringing Patrick Ewing to town as a member of the Seattle Supersonics. Um, how about this? How about this pile of you know what? Okay, Jerome James. Oh my gosh, Jerome James. How about the five-year, thirty million dollar deal he signed with the Knicks Romy to leave? Rome. Isaiah Thomas was the GM or the president of the Knicks, and he swiped Jerome James away. And later he called Thank it one you. of the worst decisions yeah. he's ever made. Romy Rome. And how about I like this guy, this last guy, thirty-three, okay. Antonio Daniels, AD. Oh sure, wore yeah. thirty-three. Yeah. You want any of those? No. Okay. No. Although I will tell you that yeah. Pat- Patrick Ewing's. Patrick Ewing. His Do you car- know what that is, what I'm doing his right there? His career. Is that Mike Breen? No. Who is it? It's the PA. Did you ever go to a Knicks game in Madison Square yes. Garden? They used to have a PA announcer forever. He, Patrick Ewing. You know, his. that was yeah. his. That, that was, was his. Yeah, deal. go ahead. I interrupted. Go. Uh, I got nothing. I don't remember. Oh, AD. Yeah, AD. AD. 
Um, what were you going to say? I don't know. I'll I, splice it together. I, I have no idea. It's okay. You want no, me to? It's okay. I, I can take it. No. Yeah, Short term memory loss. Um, how about Husky basketball? Thirty three. Yeah. Yeah. Steve Hawes. Steve Hawes. Good player. Six nine center. Thirteen one yep. a game one over his nicest, college career. One of the nicest men in the world. Steve Hawes. Is his nephew's nice? Yeah. I know Spencer. Uh huh. Actually, Spencer's got a chance to be reacquainted with the NBA. He's in the the. Yeah, the I saw G that League. making yeah. you know making great passes. I saw some highlights. He's doing of his thing. Yeah, that's the nephew, right? Yeah. So Steve Hawes wore thirty three. I think while he was at the University of Washington. Are you making that up? Maybe. Okay. Somebody can check me on it. Um, any takers on that? Uh, no. Not, not so far. How about the NHL? A guy who I once played golf with. Random story. Okay. Paired at the Freddie Couples Invitational at Inglewood, Inglewood Golf Club. Okay. In the, like, the Pro-Am round. Mm -hmm. I was paired with NHL goalie Patrick Waugh. Patrick Waugh. Patrick Waugh. Yeah. He wore 33. Most NHL playoff games by a goaltender. Most NHL playoff wins by a goaltender. First NHL goaltender to 1,000 NHL games. First NHL goaltender to 500 games. Patrick Wah. I will tell you this right now. Yeah. Uh, uh, neither one and of... He pounded the ball. Oh, I bet. All the hockey and the baseball guys can they they know Crush weight it. transfer they they understand that yeah. deal yeah uh, even as a goalie he still understands I I will tell this tell you this Patrick Wah Patrick Wah yeah um there will be many who are a hockey fan that will dispute what this episode should be called because Patrick Wah yeah is <laughs> I love how you say that is a a premier Premier Who? Patrick Waugh <laughs> is a is a premier thirty three. He is right up there. Okay. In in his sport. In lore. In thirty three lore. Yes. Okay. In his sport. Yeah. Harry Gant. You know who he is? Harry Gant is not not gonna be one. Do you know who he is? No. He's a NASCAR racer. His his car was number thirty three. Yeah. I'm just trying to be complete here. I think Skull was his sponsor. Really? Yeah. Check check me on that. Because you saw my tweet. <laughs> I just, I just want to see if you. I just want to see if you saw here. my tweet. Yeah. Uh, how about World Series champion in 1909, eight-time NL batting champion, five-time RBI leader, career average 328, a first ballot Hall of Famer named Hannes Wagner. Right. Yeah. I wish I had his baseball card. Th everybody would. Yeah. If you had his baseball card, it wouldn't be worth anything because there'd be too many out there. Yeah. And they wouldn't be. How about um, six-time All Star? Two-time World Series champion. This one got the most reaction on Twitter when I sent it out, the picture. Like, people thought we start were going to Okay. No, start over with the, the stats. Not, not, not that part. This one got the most reaction because they thought that it was actually serious. Mm -hmm. um, Six-time All-Star, two-time World Series champ, AL MVP in 1988, four-time Silver Slugger, two-time Major League Baseball home run leader. Had a nice career. Hit 266, 462 career home runs. Good career. Yeah. Um, one of the Bash brothers, Jose. Oh, Jose Canseco. Name not it. I, I'm daring you. Name 40, 40. It. Name He's it. not making name it. it. Name it, Canseco. He's not making it. No? No. Okay. Uh, we get to the National Football League, one of my favorites. Now, this may be the difference between our ages here. Okay. Because there's, what, 10 years? Mm -hmm. 11 years? 10 years. Uh, seven years. Between you and me? Seven you're 48, 44? 44. Mm -hmm. Okay, so there's only seven, so maybe not. I love this guy. In 1976, 
He was the Heisman Trophy winner at the University of Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. He was unbelievable. My dad is from Pittsburgh. Okay. So this is... This This is right down your We watched Cowboy games Now, you may not know this. You may. Some Uh people may know it. You realize... Dorset. He was Anthony Dorset in college. That's not what I was going to say, but he was Anthony Dorset. Mm -hmm. He would change to Dorset. Yeah. Uh, TD, Tony mm-hmm. Dorsett from Anthony Dorsett. Did you know who was supposed to draft him in the 1977 draft? No. The Seattle Seahawks. And? He told them he wouldn't. He didn't want to play for him. Mm. He told the Nordstroms, don't draft me. I don't. They had the second pick. Ricky Bell was oh, yeah. the number one pick. He was going to be the number two pick. The Seahawks were going to draft him. They told him, he, he told him through his agent, I want no part. He pulled a... He pulled an Eli Manning before yeah. Eli Manning. I want no part of the Seahawks. So the Seahawks traded the pick to the Cowboys for a first rounder, number 14, and three second rounders. Four four draft choices for the second pick, and the Cowboys picked him. And that was... Rest is history. Rest is history. Uh, and the history is 12,739 yards, 4.3 yards a carry, Hall of Fame, Ring of Honor, Pro Bowls, Super Bowls, and the most famous run... One of the most famous runs in NFL history, 99 and a half Against yards Minnesota. I was on a little, Monday night football. I was a little kid, and I begged my parents to stay up to watch the game. Yeah. They let me stay up, and Dorsett goes for 99, and then they're like, you got to go to bed now. And I was as happy. <laughs> I, I saw one of the greatest plays, just boom, boom, gone, and – it was it was awesome. I totally remember that. NBA, we mentioned Pat Ewing. We were joking yeah. about Sonics, but he had a pretty good career. He had a great career. 11-time All-Star, All-NBA oh. first team, six-time second team. He averaged 21 a game in his career. He averaged 10 rebounds a game in his career. Mm-hmm. Uh, he averaged two and a half blocks per game in his career. My memories are, are not good of Pat Ewing because he was the hated. He was the most hated individual that played against my alma mater right, Georgetown. to this day yeah. in the history of Syracuse basketball never was there an opponent that was more hated more despised than Georgetown and Patrick Ewing they threw oranges at him they they hit the backboard while he was on the on the free throw line John Thompson pulled his team from the floor that day oh, wow. Patrick Ewing got in fights with Pearl Mm-hmm. Literally, fist. He he threw a he threw a haymaker. I'll show you the highlight. Yeah. in like Madison Square, he threw an absolute haymaker at Pearl Washington, who gave him a, the business to yeah. the ribs. We hated Patrick Ewing. Mm-hmm. Had a great NBA. Career. Had a great college career. How many years is, do you have? A how many years sure. he played? Uh, just out of curiosity, in the NBA. Yes, uh, I want to say it's it's got. So he came in the league in what eighty four. Something like that. 84. Well, no, he was the... 85. 85. He was a, 85. He was a, he was a first-team All-American in 83, 84, and 85. Right. So they, they lost to Villanova in 85, right? They won in yeah. 84, lost in 85. And yeah. That was the, the summer he came in. So he was yeah. a rookie, 85, 86. Um, he was... Let's just call it 20 years. I don't know what it was. Uh, he was on the all-sweat team for... He was a first-ballot <laughs> all-sweat guy for 20 years in the league. We keep coming back to the sweat. Yeah, yeah, uh, sweat. Other NBA players that you may want to consider, Scotty Pippen wore number 33. Really good player. Sonics draft choice. Fifth overall choice by the Sonics yep. in 1987. Traded for... 
Horace Grant. No, no I mean, uh, Alden Polonese. You got it. Sorry. Yeah. Six-time NBA champion, seven-time All-Star, three-time All-First Team, two-time All-Second Team, 18,000 points. Pretty good all-around player. Yeah, really good. A lot of people think he was overrated because he played with Jordan. He wrote Jordan's you know, everybody needs a Everybody needs a Robin. And then there's the final two. Um, three-time NBA champion, two-time finals MVP, three-time MVP, 12-time All-Star, nine-time All-NBA first team, Indiana State University, part of the most important college basketball game that's ever been played, yep. and just one of the great players, one of yep. the most popular players of his generation, and one of the most unpopular players For sure. of his generation. Larry Bird, 33 Boston Celtics. And then there was Lou Alcindor. Power Memorial in New York. He went to UCLA, was not allowed to play his freshman year, played three years at UCLA, won three NCAA championships, won three Player of the Year yes. awards, and then came into the NBA and dominated from beginning to end. Um, was an old man and still scoring, all-time scoring leader, six-time NBA champion. You tell me where you want me to begin. 19-time NBA All-Star. 19, 19 time. times. 10 times an All-NBA first team. Um, certainly, statistically, college pro cannot numbers. Cannot be touched. Cannot be touched. Cannot be touched. The only question that you're going to have to ask yourself, that yeah. people are, are, are begging you to ask yourself yeah. is, was Larry Bird's meaning to the game any more than Kareem Abdul-Jabbar? That's okay. what you have to, when, well, when evaluating right. this, that's what you have Let to ask Let me just, yourself. I'll take a, a, a little bit of a detour to that, and I will say, had Larry Bird's back not been an issue for him later in his career, I, I'd be curious to know what Larry Bird's, he's got a, a legacy in the NBA, but in terms of the stats and the all pros and some of the other things that you just add on as here's what he accomplished, I'd be curious to know what he would have been able to do now. But how many times have we gone through that in naming episodes? You can't, I, I, listen, you can't wonder. I'm, you can't I'm wonder not, what's what. I'm going on the facts. And so we'll get to that when I get to it. But we're going on the facts. Okay. But are I you gonna, are you going to Are you going Birds, to take into consideration yes. the, the intangible of, of Larry Bird's meaning to the game, meaning to college basketball, meaning to the pro game, the Boston-LA yes. rivalry, yes. and all that? Okay. As just as I will... The meaning of Lou Alcindor. Okay, so you've made Kareem, your, it's it's and I will make I will make that determination. Right. So you've you've decided. Oh, you want to just I make just, it now. I you want to make it now. I decided wanna... like a week ago. <laughs> once we got to thirty two and it turned to thirty three, it it uh, is Lou Jabbar all day long. Changes to the Mitch unfiltered format. Okay, and a trip for two to Pebble Beach with you and me, if you can. If, if you can, can make, make it, make it. it. Yeah. if you can make it work, yeah. I don't know if you can make it work, Thanks. but a trip to Pebble Beach, how do you win it? We'll discuss that in, in segment number two. You know, you're probably tired of hearing me say this, but Daniel's Broiler is a special restaurant and what a host they were the other night for our NCAA tournament dinner. We're going to do another special dinner probably in June, the week of the U.S. Open at Pebble Beach. One of the things that I think makes Daniel special, their belief in world-class hospitality. Yes, excellent steaks. Yes, great seafood. Yes, world-class views. And a great wine list to boot. But if Daniel's doesn't make you feel special, 
then what's the point to all of it? We live in a time when hospitality is becoming a lost art in these restaurants, and that's a shame. And when you go to Daniel's Broiler, your needs come first. And this is much more than just being polite. Every guest feels warm, welcome, and important at every Daniel's location. Locally owned by the Schwartz family, located at South Lake Union, Leshy Marina, Bellevue Place, and now the new downtown Hyatt Regency, serving breakfast, lunch, and dinner seven days a week. Daniel's Broiler, a special world-class steakhouse. Unfiltered. All right, uh, segment number three, Monty Burke, that best-selling author, is going to talk to us about the Nick Saban, the best-selling mm-hmm. New York Times bestseller, Nick Saban, the making of a coach. He's going to talk to us about Nick Saban. Yep. He's also going to then change completely over to what I told you in the at the beginning of this podcast, one of my top favorite sports stories of all time. The number, I think the number one business story in the history of sports the most fascinating business story you're going to hear. And you don't know the story, so I'm going to keep you on ice. Okay. Until Monty Burke tells you that story in our next segment. Uh, we'll also come back in segment number four and name the episode, opening day, PS on the Huskies from your perspective, mm-hmm. all that stuff. But as people know by now, we're, we're going to make changes to the format. Mm-hmm. And... People have been wondering why and what, and I want to get into this a little bit with your help okay? Uh, because you've been by my side, thankfully, since the beginning. Mm-hmm. When you and I got together at Panera, mm-hmm. c- is it fair for me to say we didn't quite know what we were getting ourselves into? Oh, 100%. 100%. Expand on that. I mean, it, it literally was, hey, this is a concept. Yeah. I have no idea how to do this. I don't know if people are going to listen. I don't know how we're going to make it work. You know what the reaction is going to be. Are right. you willing to even do this? Right. We had a we had multiple conversations at Panera that then ended in what we decided to do. The model was two a day, two a week, two Mondays a week. and Thursdays. Mm-hmm. Remember, we talked about three a week at we the beginning. Did. I talked you out of that. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Um, <laughs> for now, thank you. Yes. Um, but would you would you say that? Would you say that you and I went into this when we started, knowing that we we're going to have to tinker with it? Oh, for sure. That we're going to make some changes. Some will be popular. Some will be unpopular. And we're just going to try to find a sweet spot. And this thing's going to evolve mm-hmm. as we go along. New people might be hired. New people might be paid. Right. N- n- we might have more help. Right. I mean, we just don't know. And we were open to the idea that okay, let's do this for a few months. We've done it for four thirty-three episodes. Mm-hmm. And then let's kind of see as it evolves what it will take to make this a long-term project yep. instead of a short-term. Yep. And so I was thinking about an analogy today to bring up to try to communicate to our listeners what I feel like we've done in the first 33 episodes. I'm very proud of the first mm-hmm. 33 episodes. Mm-hmm. I think we've gotten better and better. I'm super appreciative, as I told you a million times, of you and your role and your participation but the analogy that I'll use, and tell me if you like this one, is we both want this to be a long-term project. We both want this to be the Mitch Unfiltered show 
to go on for a while. It's like a marathon. And the analogy that I've come up with is if we go too fast in the first few miles of the marathon, there's no chance of making it to the end. Mm -hmm. So we've got to come up with the proper pace. I've got to come up for me, for you, and all the things you got going on, the proper pace so that we can right. get to the end in the, and, and do the best job we can in the marathon, but at a pace that's comfortable that's going to allow us to finish. Right. Is that a fair analogy? It's absolutely fair. Okay. So you might ask, Mitch, what are you talking about? What, what is it that we hear these things every two day, every three days, and they sound great, and it can't be that much trouble. It can't be that much. So hmm. I'll just share with people – and, and before I do this, I want to make certain that people understand. I'm not crying and whining about this. I've loved doing this. Mm-hmm. And I want to do it some more and I want to do it for a long time. But I've got to, and you and I have got to, finagle it every once in a while that makes it a lot easier for me, a lot easier for you until we build kind of an infrastructure that allows us to then change it again. Mm-hmm. And the change that we're going to make, I'm getting to, is not a permanent change, just like the beginning of two times a week wasn't a permanent decision. It was, right. we're going to do this for a time, right. and then we may add, right. we may subtract, we may change. So booking, recording interviews, recording with you, editing, music, rejoiners, publishing timestamps, publishing the episode onto iTunes, looking for sponsors, going to viewing parties, and dinners, writing commercials, doing commercials, contests, companies that build those pages, um, merchandise, logos, website, uh, marketing campaign that we, all of these things. When I decided to do this, I thought I was just dabbling in a podcast. I didn't think I was starting a business. Right. And you started a business. I'm trying. Yes. And I, and you, and you, I'm, I'm a guy who talks in front of me. All this is foreign to me. So I've right. decided to take on this project, yeah. and it's a million times more. You have, and I don't want to make me the, the story here, yeah. you've got three different businesses. I don't know if how comfortable you are talking about yeah. that. I'd love to hear. I'd love People would love to hear. What yeah. does Jason do when he's not talking to you? Mitch, I just thought he talks to you on Mondays right. and Thursdays. Um, you've got three different businesses. You travel with Washington basketball. Yeah. You've got you've got personal. You got a family. I got a family. Yeah. So this has been a lot for you too. Speak, yeah. sp- speak to that. Yeah, just I mean, in, in terms of, you know, I think it's been well documented and I've said from the very, very beginning, I wanted to be a part of this project because I wanted to I wanted to help and be a part of you getting back into this and medium that. and yeah. and and all of that and and so that has been that's just the very very beginning right that was the the genesis of our conversation and, and let's do that correct now neither one of us knew what this was going to entail <laughs> we talked about that and so right. i think now as it the show's popularity has grown and i'm very appreciative of everybody who's listened and the patrons who've been su- supportive and everybody who's come to the events um but yeah, I mean, I have certain obligations. One in the insurance space, which is my my main job and employer, and uh, which is which is Marsh, and I, you know, I, I do that as a insurance broker. Uh, the University of Washington is my travel obligations with the the team and 
and the, the radio broadcast. Uh, an, another marketing and public relations business that I've had for a while that is growing and uh, you know that's something that my wife and I do and it's it's a separate deal. And then and then this on top of having two kids that are active in sports and they travel right. and, and, and all that. So right. I mean, it's a, it's a ton to do. And, and especially when there's games and we're in season to try to try to make this work. So right. we, we, we just, we've, we've embarked on a journey and now it's like, Whoa, this is getting to the point where we need to pause and figure out how does this, how does this work? Right. And so for people who don't know, I've got a lot of people that are working on this with you and me. I've got volunteers, people that are volunteering. I'll name them by name. The name's Patrick, Mikkel, Robbie. I've got people that are helping me for no no compensation, just yeah. helping me manage this whole thing and grow this whole thing. I'm getting ready to hire somebody and pay somebody to help me uh, edit and and book and publish and do some of the things to get the show going. Mm -hmm. So, yes, it's growing and there's going to be an opportunity at some point in the future to maybe go back to the way we're doing it now or even more right. than what we're doing now. I'm talking to people that could do what you do right. and help me out on the show. So there's a lot of things and balls in the air. But there's a couple of other considerations besides the fact that this has been a lot for us that need to be considered. And they're kind of tricky. So kind of help me through this. Um, the idea of a podcast that's so exceptional to a lot of people, including myself, is there's very limited commercials. Mm -hmm. You have limited sponsors. You don't have six, seven, eight-minute commercial sets. Right, right, right. What we do is we have one here, one there, one there's like three or four commercials in an hour and a half mm -hmm. program, right? Mm -hmm. And so you know how I feel about the sponsors that have supported me oh, since my fall. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just going to be honest. Yeah, do I want to generate a little revenue? Uh, no one's going to get rich on this. I'm not buying a plane right, right. on Mitch Unfiltered. Right. I'd like to generate a little bit of revenue, right? Um, but the most important thing when it comes to sponsors, I'm just going to be honest, is I want those people, okay? Whatever it takes, as long as they want to be with me, I want them. And if that means that I got to work with their budgets, whether that's maximizing the revenue that could come in via commercials or not, I understand that. Mm -hmm. I'm willing to sacrifice whatever that money is because I want to never walk away from that. They might want to walk away from me. Mm -hmm. I will never walk away from them. And so you understand the dichotomy. Sure. So I don't want to walk away from them when it comes to revenue, and I don't want a lot of sponsors. Right. So... You, you get it, yeah. okay? So I, I've spoken to them about their budgets and what they're able to do and and how much how much time they want on these shows and so forth and so on, and that's a factor in the conversation. And then the last factor, so now we've got you're in my time and this being just, we're running too fast in the first few miles of mm -hmm. a marathon. Mm -hmm. We've got sponsors that I'm trying to protect and I'm trying to partner with forever mm -hmm. and their budgets, Okay, and as we grow and more and more people listen, the standard rates for commercials would go up. Of course. But they may go out of their budgets and they're not willing to do that and I'm not willing to walk away and I'm not putting a lot of commercials on. Right. I'm keeping it to a, right. a handful of five or six. Right. And now you throw the last thing in and that is there are now a lot of patrons, a lot of people spending $5 and more a month to support what we're doing mm -hmm. and I feel an obligation to 
supply them with extra oh, content, right. which I've been doing. Right. Put it all in the wash. So Mitch, get to the point. Here's what we're going to do. I know this is going to be unpopular with a lot of people, but just remember, even if it's unpopular with you, this is a for now thing. Just like at the beginning, two times a week, everything is for now. It's we're going to revisit it. I'm going to revisit it as we go along and I'm able to hire people sure. and able to pay people and the thing grows. I will revisit it again and I might change this mm-hmm. over and over again. Mm-hmm. For now, starting on April 1st, which will be our next show, we're going to do one regular show a week. When I say regular show a week, I mean the shows that you hear. There's going to be one that's essentially available for free to the world mm-hmm. on iTunes and all the different platforms like we're doing. The second show is going to be a patron-only show. It will be later in the week. It will be commercial-free. It will be informal. We'll do it when we want. We won't have a deadline of Thursday morning. If we want to do it Wednesday, we'll do it Wednesday. If we want to do it Friday, we'll do it Friday. If you want to be on the phone, you'll be on the phone. If you want to skip one, you'll skip it. If if we want to do a shorts one, we'll do a short one. We want interviews on that one, fine. They may not have interviews. It's going to be maybe a little more off off the cuff, I might be a little. It might be a little wilder, a little crazier, a little flying by the seat of our pants, a little bit of more opinion. There'll be a second show most weeks. There'll be a second show just like there is now. It'll be a different kind of show. It'll be available for patrons. And so you might say, Mitch, how does that change anything? Well, I guess what I'm trying to say is what people don't realize is these regular shows, the length of these regular shows, the editing process, the process of publishing publishing them onto the website and then sending them out to all of the different platforms. That process, believe it or not, this, the editing and the publishing process mm-hmm. takes me into, like tonight, right now it is after nine o'clock. You're yep. going to leave here in a few minutes yep. and I'm going to be up with this show probably till three o'clock in the morning. The shows that I put on patrons, for patrons that are a little bit shorter and there's no commercials, right. there's not little editing, don't have to be published, they go onto the patron website, they can be off the cuff and whenever we want, deadlines, a lot of that goes away. Right. Okay? It, it takes a little bit of pressure off of you, it takes a lot of pressure off of me, and it rewards the patrons at $5 a month. Mm. Now- before people scream and yell at me, well, how do I become a patron? You go to MitchUnfiltered.com. You click become a patron. It's um, five dollars a month at minimum. You can you can do whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. There are ways, and and I'll have to teach you. And you, we laugh that you're not a patron, but there are ways, very simple ways, to take an RSS feed, plug it into your i iTunes account, it will come right in just mm-hmm. like the regular show comes into your iTunes. It'll just come from the patron website. Does that make sense? I'm just proud of you that you know what an RSS feed is. I, I mean, don't know what I, an I mean, RSS I am, feed is. When you said that, I was like, he actually sounds like he knows what he's talking about. That, that's I don't that's know what where I'm we've come for, for the first 33 episodes okay. of Bitch Unfiltered. Do you understand what I yes, just said? Yes, I absolutely do. You, you, so, so patrons, when they become a patron and they're signed in, it says, here's an RSS feed to put into your podcast platform mm-hmm. your itunes your apple your google so you whatever get that instead you, you of having to go in, to the patreon website you, you do get it one it on time your, yes you do it one time and then every time we come up with a new it'll populate, populate. your mm-hmm. apple itunes just like an but it's going to change the dynamic of what we're doing so it's a long-winded i'm sure unpopular decision it's for now 
Mondays, regular show, and then another time during the week at some point, a second show that'll be informal, no commercials via the patron site. What have I missed? Keep me in keep me in line here. Have I have I forgotten to say anything? Is there something that you think needs to be said more than what I've said? No. I mean, okay. It is that's what it is. That's what it is. Yeah. And then let's see how it goes. I can keep my sponsors happy. I can keep the patrons happy. Let's see when I hire a guy to help me edit and produce and publish. Let's just see how it goes for a couple of months. Come football season, who knows? Mm-hmm. I'm completely open to changing back, to doing something different. I'm yep. completely open to ideas, but this is what we're going to do for now. Mm-hmm. Okay? So I don't think it's probably the best time right now to continue and say that we're going dark on Masters Week. <laughs> so I think maybe we should keep that for Monday's show, episode 30. Episode Akeem Olajuwon, episode Walter Payton, episode... Xavier McDaniel. Xavier, the X-Man. Yeah. We are kind of going dark um, for really good reasons. You have a great trip yes. uh, planned, and I'm going to see my mom. Yes. In, and she she needs me to see her yes. right now. And yeah. so... We're, we're going to go dark for a week there uh, during what they call kids' spring break, uh, but we'll talk about that on the next episode. Now, that was probably unpleasant information. Mm-hmm. Can we give them really, really pleasant information? I hope so. You got to follow up, follow up with some really good stuff. I got it. Okay. I mean, I can't. I don't think I can do better than this. Give it to what me. What I'm about to do. Give it to me. Do you remember when we did the morning show? Mm-hmm. Um, that number 33 now does, mm-hmm. uh, formerly of the Seattle Mariners. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. Do you remember that I used to do something called the Major Championship Challenge? Very well. Very, very well, yes. And why do you have such fond memories? A, because I'm a huge golf fan, as you know. Right. And B, because I went on a trip with you to Pebble Beach for the winner's of that the grand prize, yes, the grand prize winners. And why that. do you why do you suppose that you got a chance to go on that trip? Because there was an extra spot paid for by a sponsor, and um, I walked into the office and said, "I'd like Jason Hamilton to come with us." There you go. That's the answer to the question. There you go. And I'm looking at you with the straightest face. If you think that's bullshit, sorry, <laughs> I'm telling you, it's not. Okay. I walked into the office and I said, you know who would love this trip, who's never played those courses and just loves golf? Let's let Jason Hamilton come this year. I love that. And you came and we had a great time. We had a great we, you time. and I played Pebble together? We did. Did we play Pebble we together? Did. I almost okay. hold out on seven. Remember that after my second? Yes. yes. I do remember yeah, that. That's a good story pictures. for another day. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So do you remember how that worked? What do you mean? Do you remember the, the, how the, the contest? contest? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So we're yeah. bringing the contest back. We're calling it Unfiltered Majors Challenge, the Mitch Unfiltered Majors Challenge. And it's very, very, very simple. It's even simpler than the bracket filling out contest. And by the way, Evergreen Golf Call. Stepping up. Is doing this for us. Man. They are doing it. And believe me, call Pebble Beach and ask them what it takes to stay at the Lodge of Pebble Beach for a couple of days and play Pebble Beach and play Spyglass. Just get a sense of what that... That's a pretty big ticket item. And Evergreen Golf Call, who has been... Again, here's here's goes back to what I was just talking about. I want Evergreen Golf Call on my side the rest of the time of doing this. I don't... I'm not pricing them out or anybody out. That's important to me. Right. Okay. They've come to me and said, we love the bracket filling out contest. It was a huge success. Go do it. 
Go do your majors challenge. Go get people to pe- – we'll pay. We'll pay for you. We'll pay for Jason. We'll pay for your winners to go to Pebble Beach and stay at the lodge at Pebble Beach and play pe- – this is Evergreen Golf called doing this. Unbelievable. Okay. So here's how it works. The Masters is coming up in just a couple, couple weeks, weeks time. Yeah. Less than a couple weeks when people actually hear this. You pick a golfer. You go to register at MitchUnfiltered.com at the top, just like you did. And by the way, RunMyPools.com, who did the whole bracket thing for us beautifully. And you even said it was a very easy experience. They're back on board. They said, we're in. Any way we can help Mitch Unfiltered, we're in. So they're going to run this pool. They're going to be the engine behind this pool. Bill Sanders, Brett Lytle, RunMyPools.com. Mm-hmm. Great partners, okay? Here's what you do. Sometime between now and you can do it today, tonight. This it's morning. live. Like, it's live. It? Oh my goodness! It's live. You're surprising me with information. Well, well, it has to be live because of our little dark time yes. coming up. I think we need to stress the fact that people need to be ready to go on this because we might not have a conversation. Only one more conversation yes. with you before, and we'll tweet and hopefully you'll help yes, me. Yes, I will. So here, here's it's very simple, okay. Jason. You go in, you register. If you've already registered for the bracket contest you're registered in mitch unfiltered's contest mm-hmm. you play you hit the button i want to play i want to win the pebble beach trip mm-hmm. you're going to pick one golfer in each of the four majors you can only pick the masters now but after the masters is it right. over at some point you'll pick the the pga which mm-hmm. comes in may oh, now right. it's changed then the u.s open in june at pebble beach and, and then, then the, the british open right. uh, across the pond in july okay and then the week after the so, British Open, literally seven days later, we'll crown a champion and we're dragging his or her ass to Pebble Beach. We're dragging them to Pebble Beach the next week after the British Open. So you're picking one golfer. ridiculously awesome. We're, we're picking one golfer in each of the four majors. Mm-hmm. You can pick your master's choice right now. And all we're going to do, we're going to make it very simple. This is not the way we did it on the radio. We're going to do it even easier. You're just going to take the earnings that your golfer makes and add the four earnings together. Okay? Dollar amounts. Dollar amounts. Mm-hmm. Masters money plus PGA money plus US Open money plus British Open mm-hmm. money. You pick four guys. You can pick the same guy four times. You can pick four different guys. You can pick a guy twice and pick two other guys. There are no rules. You pick whoever you want in wow. front of every major championship, okay? Wow. And then you add the purses that they make, that your guy makes, add them together, there's your total. Best total, highest total, wins the trip for two. All expense paid trip for two. Airfare, let me explain what all expense is. On Evergreen Golf Calls card, on their credit card. <laughs> um, uh, airfare, to and from San Jose, Rental car from San Jose to Pebble Beach. We're staying at the Lodge at Pebble Beach, which is unbelievable. We're playing Pebble Beach on Saturday, July 27th. We're playing Spyglass Hill on Sunday, which is also a top 100 golf course. And then we're getting in our rental cars, going back to San Jose and coming home. Mm -hmm. Okay? Mm -hmm. All on Evergreen Golf Call for the grand prize. Now, there's only one question that you should have in your mind, and that is, what happens if two people tie? That was my next question. What happens if two people tie with the exact same dollar amount? Yes. Unlikely, unless it's the same guy, they pick the same four guys, which could happen. Here it is. Uh Uh-oh. Here it is. 
Everybody's ears should be perked up. Here's the tiebreaker. First one in. Woo! That means the first person to go there. Yes. You can go right now. You go there. You go to MitchUnfiltered.com. Click on Unfiltered Majors Challenge. Say I'm in, whatever that means. Yes. You click I'm in, and that's your. You're gonna get a. You're gonna get a date and a timestamp. That is urgent. There's your tiebreaker. Get in this thing. There's your tiebreaker immediately. Oh there my go. gosh. There you go. Pretty simple. There you go. Four golfers. You pick them. You can pick the Masters one right now. Four majors. Yep. Whatever they earn, gross total. Yep. Yep. That's your score. Highest score Dang. comes with you and me. If you're available, if I'm available, July 26th, San Jose to the Monterey Peninsula, the Lodge at Pebble Beach, Pebble Beach Golf Links in July, and Spyglass Hill on Sunday. It's too good. That's good. Too good. All right, our guest is up next, and then you have to give me a PS on Washington and name the show as we continue on episode number 33. So everybody knows by now that Evergreen Golf Call, the premier wealth manager in the Northwest, is a sponsor and partner of Mitch Unfiltered. And if it weren't for Evergreen, we would not have that incredible bracket contest with more than 2,000 people in our very first year of existence. So how do they top that? How about putting their name, Evergreen Golf Call, on the very first ever Unfiltered Majors Challenge? picking the four majors, and they are giving away his Evergreen Golf Call, a trip for two with Jason and myself to play Pebble Beach in July just after the U.S. Open is staged there and Spyglass Hill, and it's all thanks to Evergreen Golf Call. Managing over $2 billion in assets, Evergreen is a fee-only advisor with no hidden fees and commissions. Remember, they are a fiduciary to their clients, and not all financial advisors can say that. With offices in Bellevue, Portland, Napa, San Francisco, they invest alongside of their clients. In 2018, the Financial Times named Name them one of the top advisors in America, managing over $2 billion with a B dollars in assets. Evergreen Golf Call, a terrific partner and the premier wealth manager in the Northwest. Unfiltered. All right, joining us on the Zeke's Pizza Hotline is best-selling author Monty Burke. He's also a writer and a contributing editor of Forbes magazine. He's the author of the best-selling book, Saban, The Making of a Coach. Also has written a lot of stories about one of my favorite topics that I think we ought to talk about today. Monty Burke is our guest. Uh, Thank you, Monty, for joining us, first of all. You know, I was going to say unauthorized in terms of the biography, but that's kind of a dirty word, a bad word. Am I allowed to use that word? I think you can use it, yeah. I think it's uh, a, a, a lot of good journalism is done from an unauthorized angle. I'm not ashamed of that. Okay, good. You shouldn't be because it was obviously great work and it's a best-selling, uh, a best-selling piece. What was Sabin's original reaction to your book, and has that softened over the years since 2015? Well, so we, we actually had discussions as I was embarking on the book. Uh, I kept an open dialogue with him. I didn't want to hit him by surprise. Um, and, you know, we worked a little bit together, actually, in the beginning, and then he decided he didn't want to, want to have anything to do with it. I proceeded anyway, uh, wrote it, interviewed 250-plus people, including uh, Bill Belichick and his best golfing partner and all a bunch of host of assistant coaches that he worked with and players and, 
you know, really tried to cover as many people as I could at all the different stops that he'd, where, where he'd coached. Um, and then uh, the book came out uh, and was actually doing pretty well. And then um, uh, someone asked him about it at a press conference, and uh, he uh, did not seem very happy about it. Um, which is fine. He didn't question any of the facts within it or anything like that. He just he just said, you know, I'd prefer that to you know, to do this on my own at some day. I do think, you know, get, to get back to your unauthorized thing. I mean, there's a uh, I forgot who said this phrase to me one time, but you know, good journalism isn't done uh, by permission uh, or with permission. Um, and so, a lot of times, I think it's actually more interesting to look at someone without their input and especially without their controlling of the of the project to you know, sort of canvas the people who know them best and get a portrait that way. I'm sure Nick at some point will write his own, uh, will write an autobiography at some point, um, and I'm sure it'll be great. But I think this is, a, you know, this is a vital piece of, um, uh, of the, the history of Nick Saban and kind of looking at him and seeing kind of what makes him tick. It's called Saban, the making of a coach. So now looking at the product, how did it turn out differently, do you think, then had he cooperated in the first place, Monty? Well, I think you get, you, get, you get some of the people who say things that he necessarily, wouldn't necessarily want to have said about him. I mean, you get some of the stories, uh, you know, when he coached in Miami and wasn't a, a, a real success there. I mean, he certainly was no failure, but he was mediocre, which for him I think qualifies probably as a failure when he looks at it. So you can, look, you can actually write about those things, uh, I think, with an honest eye as opposed to, you know, hey, let's just, if, you know, if he's writing the book himself, I'm sure he would gloss over it or come up with some, uh, you know, I don't want to say excuses, but something like that. So, you know, you can actually talk to the players there and actually get a, you know, I, what emerged from the Miami, uh, Miami Dolphins episode was fascinating. I mean, it, it, it wasn't really a complete failure. It was a, uh, he actually probably did, uh, 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 he did an, an incredible job actually with what he was given there. Um, and then, you know, I think you can, you can talk about things in his family maybe that he wouldn't be comfortable talking about his relationship with his father. He, he uh, Saban did write a, autobiography after he won his first national title in LSU and he talked about his father in totally glowing terms uh, and I think his father did have a lot of good influence on him but his father was also uh, an incredible taskmaster and and uh, not very nice to his son which I think motivated him in the end probably worked out for him in the end but there are things like that I think that you you know he, he, anyone writing their own autobiography would kind of gloss over and I think a biography when you talk to a lot of other folks and uh, get different input and look at people through a different prism, you get uh, you get maybe even a fuller picture. You know, going back to the Dolphins experience, I talk about a, lo- a lot on our shows because I'm from South Florida, I'm a Dolphins fan, and he'll mm-hmm. most be remembered for that press conference, right, just a few weeks before yep. he took the job at Alabama, saying, I, I don't know how, my- how many uh, different times I have to say it, I'm-, I'm paraphrasing now, I'm not taking the, I'm not leaving the Dolphins, and I'm not taking the Alabama job. Certainly, right. that's a press conference he'd like to have back, right? <laughs> I'm sure he would. Now, again, though, I get into the book, like he- what he said was, uh, earned him a lot of enemies, and rightly so. Uh, however, I think if you look at it from a, you know talking to a lot of folks who were there, including his agent and uh, Mal Moore, who was the AD at Alabama at the time, I mean you know he was doing the best he could to kind of uh, live in both worlds or have a foot in both worlds. And key, you know in case he didn't get the job, he didn't want to lose his his Dolphins team. Um, and uh, you know, so I think there's a there's a fine edge that these guys walk on when they. Uh, I don't. I don't really know what. I've never seen a coach handle this perfectly. I'll put it this yeah, way. Yeah. It'd be you know if he stood up there and said, you know, I'm actually thinking about taking the Alabama job. I mean, imagine the media scrum had he done that. So I'm not so sure there's a perfect way to do it. 
um, he, I don't think he handled it perfectly, that's for sure. And I know I was just actually down in South Florida, and people were still yeah. talking about it. Yeah. Best-selling author, Monty Burke. The name of the book is Saban, The Making of a Coach. It's about, uh, I don't know, three, four years old. If you haven't gotten a chance, it's, a, it's an opportunity to read more about Nick Saban. Two last things about Saban, and then we're going to change subjects altogether with you, Monty. Number one, okay. do you see him ever tackling another NFL job. Does that burn in him at all? The opportunity to go back to the NFL and prove to himself and other people that he can do better, that's A. And B, what is it about his demeanor that strikes and rubs people the wrong way? It just seems like he doesn't enjoy victories that much. It seems like even when he wins the national championship, it's a forced smile and maybe he's over it the next day and on to the next thing. Take on those two things. All right, so the first thing, I think that the window for him going to an NFL team and any other team, for that matter, uh, is closed. I think that the uh, NFL, he would have had to have had, you know, sometime five years ago, had to have had like a perfect situation where he had a great quarterback, Aaron Rodgers maybe, uh, uh, which he didn't have in, uh, in, for the Dolphins. Uh, but I think that window has passed. And I think that, the, that moving to another college passed. It was a, he flirted with the University of Texas and actually got further down the road than uh, I think people realize, which I wrote about extensively in the book. Um, but I think once that once that closed and Alabama gave him a big raise, I think he just said, "You know what? I'm I'm in my 70s now, and I'm gonna uh, this is where I'm gonna be." And then I think actually, you know, losing the title in the fashion that they lost it uh, last year uh, or last season um, cemented the fact that he's going to be at Alabama until he retires. I think right. I think he's got a uh, I think he feels like he has something to prove now that. The second thing was really is a very interesting part uh, of him that um, that I discovered as I as I went along this journey uh, reporting about him is that you know he seems like such an unhappy person um, when you see him on television he's yelling at the at the you know the third string punter yeah. um, he's uh, not very happy after he wins the national title he complains about the fact that how much time it takes away from recruiting what I found out about him is, is there are a couple things one is that he's a pretty extreme introvert. And, uh, you know, uh, is very charismatic in very small groups, uh, which shouldn't have been a surprise. Um, I, I actually found this out in interviewing him for a big story for Forbes magazine that I did before I did the book. He was completely charming and completely charismatic one-on-one. And that shouldn't have been a surprise uh, because he's such a great recruiter. I mean, you have to be, you can't be the Nick Saban you see on TV in the rooms of uh, recruits. You have to be funny, you have to be affable, you have to be charismatic, and he's all of those things. When he gets in a big group, um, I think that kind of introvert thing takes over, and he just kind of built a wall around himself, and he just doesn't want to be there. His leg starts moving. He doesn't like doing public speaking events uh, or honors and award shows and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, you know, a lot of people ask me, is he, is he, is he ever happy? And I think he is happy. Uh, you know, he's, a, he's the, the famous, the process, as they call it, uh, is his thing about not really necessarily focusing on the outcome, but focusing on the steps that get you to the outcome. And I think he has internalized that, and he is very happy when he has got his straw hat on and his shorts on and his clipboard. He's walking around in practice and jawing with the players and, and you know, really diving into the minutia of running a football program, which is basically like running a mid-sized company. Um, and then I think, you know, the, the outcome is uh, sometimes getting in the way of the, of the fun of that day-to-day thing and the fun of the process. Uh, people put a lot of attention on the outcome and, uh, so I think you see a little bit of that. I mean, one of the reasons he was not happy after winning that title and he even said, uh, you know, I forgot which title this was, 2011, I think he said, I'm a little bit angry that I'm not on the road recruiting is because he really enjoys that. That's what makes him happy. Uh, and I actually found, to, to a man, most people, even the people who didn't like it very much, uh, said he, he was 
they thought he was a pretty happy person when he was in his element. Mm. I don't know how to make the proper segue or transition, so I'm just going to do it. Because the other the other subject, the other story that you've written uh, at least one, maybe two pieces on that I just find I can't get it out of my mind. I find it endlessly interesting. Is the greatest deal that's ever been made, at least in sports or in the NBA. Tell everybody in our audience as best as you can, and I'll help you with the story and okay. ask questions. Okay. The story of the Silnas. Now, I don't know what percentage of basketball fans know who Ozzie and Danny Silna are and were, but they have a unique position in the history of the ABA and NBA, and I'd like to tell the story here on this episode today. Help me out with it, would you? It's a, it's a fantastic story, and uh, when you called earlier, when you emailed me earlier and asked me to come on, I was uh, trying to remember how I came across it, and I, I, I believe at Forbes we did valuations of teams, uh, you know, we yeah. set, yeah. set worth on a, yeah. on a certain team, and I believe I was calling the Pacers, and Herb Simon was the owner at the time, and I remember him complaining a little bit about how, you know, yeah, we, we had this going on and this going on, but we still had to, we got to pay these gosh darn guys you know, X amount of money, and I was like, wait, what? And <laughs> it, uh, I'll, I'll get back to what that means. But so basically these two brothers, Ozzy and Dan Silna, uh, were uh, textile manufacturers and had made a decent amount of money. Uh, and in the mid-'70s, they wanted they, – they loved basketball. In the mid-'70s, they wanted to, to buy a basketball team. They tried to buy the Pistons. They offered a decent amount of money, and Pistons, uh, the Pistons not sell to them. So they bought the Carolina Cougars, who were in the ABA. Uh, and then quickly the Carolina Cougars, they moved the Carolina Cougars to St. Louis uh, because that was the then the biggest TV market that didn't have an NBA team in it. Called them the Spirits of St. Louis. Uh, kind of had a rocky two-year to three-season uh, career there. They, had, they did have Moses Malone for a little bit. They had Marvin Barnes. Bob Costas was their play-by-play, oper- uh, play-by-play caller. Yeah. Um, uh, but they yeah, had a little bit of trouble selling selling tickets, and it was kind of a rocky thing. They made the playoffs or whatever. So then uh, the merger happens. The NBA says, you know, enough of this ABA stuff. We're going we're gonna to buy you. So the, the NBA offers uh, to, to take in some of these teams. They, take, they end up taking in the Nuggets, the Pacers, the then New York Nets, now uh, then New, uh, became the Jersey Nets and now the Brooklyn Nets, uh, and the San Antonio Spurs. The Virginia Squires, which was one of the teams in the ABA, folded, uh, and the Kentucky Colonels, who were owned by the gentleman who started Kentucky Fried Chicken took a $3 million buyout. So that left one team, the Spirits of St. Louis, and the Silna brothers, along with their lawyer, a man named Donald Chupak, uh, decided to hold out, which turned out to be probably one of the best decisions <laughs> ever made in not only sports, in business. And I think you can call this the greatest sports deal of all time easily, and, yeah. and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you why in a minute. But So basically, they, they held out, and they got um, paid... $2.2 million uh, just to kind of, you know, go away. And along with that, uh, Shupak, their lawyer, um, negotiated that they would get one-seventh of the, t- of the broadcast TV shares of the teams, um, of the uh, former ABA teams. Allow me to interrupt. So, yep. so they get $2.2 million to go away. The Kentucky front, Colonels yep. got $3.3 million to go away so this one seventh of tv dollars that you're going to explain what that amounts to was in lieu of essentially 1.1 million in difference from the colonels colonels to what they got in the 2.2 million okay continue the story and it was a it was a real bet because at the time actually so they got the tv brought that one seventh share of a one team's uh, tv broadcast rights in perpetuity now so at the time 
the NBA had terrible, you know, the NBA came on uh, tape delayed at 11 o'clock, you know, <laughs> the playoffs, the playoffs did. I mean, this was, this was not like a big time league. So at the time, actually, they, they probably lost a little money uh, in terms of what you, you know, when you talk about the Colonels, uh, the, the deal the Colonels got. Um, so, but then, of course, uh, you had, uh, they also negotiated a collar, too. So they, they would be paid on a 28-team league. That was in case the, the league went, uh, expanded that their, their share wouldn't get diluted. So along comes uh, Larry Bird and Magic Johnson, and then uh, eventually Michael Jordan. Right. Uh, and the league starts signing these huge TV contract broadcast deals with CBS, NBC, ESPN. Uh, lo and behold, by the time I kind of heard about this from uh, Herb Simon, uh, you know, it's 2014, and the Cylinder Brothers have made $300 million. <laughs> <laughs> which is just incredible. Okay. I mean, it's, it's so instead of the one, so so, so instead of the one point one million, now we're at three hundred million, and 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 counting right as the story continues. And, and counting, and it actually it gets better. So the three hundred, you have to you have to remember too. This is three hundred million. So they split it. They got uh, each brother got forty five percent, and Donald Shupak got ten percent. So you know it's. It's still a lot of money, but collectively it's three hundred million. Not bad attorneys' yeah. fees, by the way, ten no, percent. <laughs> old, old, old Donald knew what he was doing. So you got to remember too. So you know, Robert Kraft bought the famously bought the Patriots for like one hundred seventy-four million dollars, and now they're worth uh, I don't know a billion dollars, something like that. So great investment, right? Right. Except that Robert Kraft has had to play, pay salaries, has had to you know buy a stadium, has uh, you know yeah. had to just yeah. pay all of this money. Basically, the Silvers. You got to remember, this is just pure after taxes. Obviously, just pure profit. They don't pay anybody anything. They pay the lawyer. That's it. So the NBA, Herb Simon in particular, and other people are just just livid about this deal because they're <laughs> just handing over money, uh, you know, every year. Yeah. And the NBA um, in uh, about 2014 is looking at uh, their contract is coming up, the TV contract, and they're you know they're just the, the owners of those ABA teams are like or former ABA teams are just like enough's enough. So let's uh, we'll stop. We've got to stop right here. So they negotiate a deal with the Cylinder Brothers to pay them a reported five hundred million dollars to buy out oh my that God. in perpetuity contract. Uh, so, so now we're up to eight hundred million for the one point eight hundred million dollars. <laughs> um, so in essence, what you have is a one million dollar. They, they they bought the Carolina team back in the day for about a million dollars. A one million dollar investment has turned into eight hundred million dollars. <laughs> Now, there is one fly in the ointment in yes, all of this. Yes, which is a, a very interesting fly, and the reason that I, I can't believe this hasn't been made into a movie just yet, unless it has <laughs> and I don't know about it. There's got to be a movie about this. Uh, who knows? But So the, in, the interesting thing is that uh, uh, the Silnas uh, were buddies with Bernie Madoff, and they invested a bunch of money with uh, Bernie Madoff. And um, they, of course, uh, lost a bunch of money with, with Bernie Madoff, although I spoke to Irving Picard, who was the lawyer kind of handling all the uh, Madoff stuff, and they said that the, the Silnas were, were still net winners um, over the period, which had a kind of amorphous uh, definition, but it mainly, it mainly meant they didn't lose all their all of their money that they, that they had invested with Madoff. But when I went out to meet, I, I got wind of the story, and I actually tried to track these guys down. Ozzy was in California. Uh, Dan was living, and Ozzy has since died, actually. Um, from cancer, but Dan was living in Paramus, which New Jersey, which is yep. not too far away from here. So I went out and saw him, and uh, you know, chatted with him in his uh, uh, his office out there, and which was fascinating. And he he claimed that they didn't that they had spread the money out, that they didn't have all of it um, uh, invested with Madoff. But so we'll never really know. I don't think how much uh, money they lost 
with Madoff. But either way, I think they're doing okay. Yeah, incredible story. Just an incredible, incredible story that needs to be told more often, and you did it so well, both in print and now verbally with us. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm a fan. I'm a fan from afar, and I hope that we can do it again sometime. Monty Burke is the name, uh, a best-selling author. If you haven't read the the Saban piece, you got to do it. The Saban book, The Making of a Coach from 2000 and I think 15, you did it? 2015 yep, sounds right. That's right. Yep. And, mm-hmm. uh, and we really appreciate your time here on Mitch Unfiltered. Thanks so very much. Great. Thanks, Mitch. See you later. You know, in the last few weeks, my home away from home has been Zeke's Pizza. Let's see. The Super Bowl at the brand new Capitol Hill location. I watched the Pac-12 tournament at Zeke's Pizza in Bothell. I watched the first round of the NCAA tournament between the Huskies and Utah State in Tacoma at a great Tacoma brand new location at the UW Tacoma. And then, if that wasn't enough, I took my family on Sunday night to Bellevue and we watched the NCAA tournament second round late Sunday action at the Bellevue Zeke's location. Why? Because not only is Zeke's the Northwest's homegrown pizza company founded in Queen Anne in 1993, but I think a great spot to have some pizza, some craft beer, and to watch your favorite sporting event. And if you can't go to Zeke's during the NCAA Sweet 16, Elite Eight, Final Four, then have them come to you and deliver. Download and use their mobile app, order online, zekespizza.com, or call 206-285-8646. Any combination of food and craft beer, right to your door. All the drivers have shoulder coolers, so believe me, the beers show up nice and cold. So, You've got two options for the rest of the NCAA tournament as I see it. Either go to one of the great 17 locations at Zeke's Pizza and enjoy the ball game pizza and beer, or have them come to you. 206-285-8646 or Zeke'sPizza.com. Zeke's Pizza, homegrown in the Northwest. Unfiltered. All right, on the Zeke's Pizza Hotline is one of our leaders. There's more than 2,000 playing, and here he is, Mike Jenkins, who is the uh, the leader through to the Sweet 16. Mike, how do you feel about the bracket now? I'm feeling pretty good. Someone called me this weekend and said, is that you in first place in Mitch's bracket? And I, I figured they were joking, so I had to, I had to log on and, and see it for, for real. So. Ah, well, thanks for playing, and thanks for leading. Give us all a second chance, would you please? Tell us a little bit about yourself. I've uh, been in Seattle for uh, 30 years or so, as original Mitch and the Midday Guy. And Wow. Uh, I'm in, the, I'm in the, the yacht financing business, kind of a strange little business, but a lot of fun. So. And you filled out the bracket, and I'm sure you fill out brackets every year, probably at different sources. Have you ever done this well to this point in the in the competition? It's probably the best I've done through Sweet 16. I'm in a, another pool at my wife's work and the family's feeling guilty because she's in first i'm in second and my son's in third so <laughs> kind of looks like we fixed we fixed that one so uh is the prize better or worse in her pool than it is in our pool uh, much better in the mitch pool <laughs> so uh napa valley or san francisco how many of the sweet 16 did you get in our pool mike uh, i got 15 of the 16 ah and which one did you miss uh liberty knocked me out in the first round on that one and then i that, that cost me two two rounds. So. Ah, I see. But uh, you're feeling good, and of course you have all probably all Elite Eight still uh, still available, and you have your Final Four and your championship game, right? Yep, everyone's still alive. All right, so give us a sense of what we have to look forward to. Who's your Final Four, who's your championship game, and who do you have cutting down the nets, if you can recall? North Carolina beating Duke in the championship game, which much as I hate to put Duke in there, I kind of had to. 
All right, so North Carolina over Duke, which is probably a very, very common championship game. I'm sure there's a lot of people in our audience right now listening to this that have either North Carolina over Duke or Duke over North Carolina. Do you have any stretches in the Final Four, or is it pretty chalky? It's pretty chalky in the Final Four. I mean, the only stretch I really had, even in the Sweet 16, was Oregon at a 12 going there. Yeah. As much as I, I didn't want to root for the Ducks, I kind of had to after watching watching them dismantle the Huskies a few times. Are you a UW guy? Uh, I did not go there, but I've had football season tickets for 30 years, so I'm, I'm pretty much a dog, dog right. at heart. So you're a, you're a Seattle guy through and through, huh? Born and raised? Correct. Uh, not born and raised. I've been here since 1982. All right. So uh, we wish you all the very best. Kinda, sorta. Or there's probably a lot of people that aren't wishing you the very best in our audience. We've got three obviously great trips. It's a it's a contest that's presented by Evergreen Golf Call. We thank them for obviously making this big deal possible. And I wish you all the very best, Mike. Thanks for being with us. I appreciate it, Mitch. Have a great day. Thanks for putting on the contest and the great podcast. So here's the other bracket leader. And the story of Dan Christensen. So I got Mike Jenkins and I got Dan Christensen. I got over 2,000 people competing in the Unfiltered Madness. It's presented by Evergreen Golf Call. And so I've just talked to Mike Jenkins. Now I'm going to talk to Dan Christensen. But Dan is not just happy enough to be number one of 2,000. He's going to cry and whine and moan a little bit. Right, Dan? Uh, no, I, I won't be crying and whining here. <laughs> But you wrote me a note, and you said what? Tell everybody what you said. Well, I, 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 I took my bracket, and I filled it out by hand. And when I went to enter online, I kind of made a mistake and didn't have liberty moving forward over Mississippi State. And I didn't catch it until I noticed when the point totals weren't adding up. So you're saying that you had liberty over Mississippi State in the one that you filled out by hand, but then when you went and you you put it into the computer in Unfiltered Madness presented by Evergreen Golf Call, you did the wrong. You had Mississippi State over Liberty. Is that what you're saying? That, that's correct. Would you like me to go change it for you now, Dan? You know, if you, if you could do that, that would be great. <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't think uh, other people will be too happy about you doing that for so, me. So you would have had, you help me out. You would have had sole possession. You wouldn't be sharing it with Mike Jenkins through the Sweet 16. You'd have sole possession of the grand prize. It would be in your hands to lose right now if you had just picked Liberty over Mississippi State as you say you intended to do. So how many, Dan, how many out of the 16? How many out of the Sweet 16 do you have? 15. You got 15. And which one did you miss? Uh, Maryland. You had Maryland in the Sweet 16 instead of Instead of who? Not Belmont. LSU. 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 Okay. So you had Maryland instead of LSU. But as you sit here atop the board, you've got 15 out of 16. I'm sure you've got all eight still remaining. Is that right? That's correct. Yep. You've got all four. You've got the final two. And you've got your championship. Now, Jenkins told us that he's got North Carolina over Duke in the final. Who does Christensen have? I have Virginia over Duke in the final, and I'm a little nervous about that. Ooh, would you like me? You want me to go back while well, I'm changing the first round game for you, so I can give you the credit for because uh, you say you you really wanted uh, Liberty over Mississippi State. Would you like me to go change the championship game for you, Dan? Uh, you know, 
I think I'm going to roll with Virginia, and we'll just see what happens. Okay, but you're having. It sounds like you got a little cold feet on Virginia, huh? Yeah, Oregon's making me a little nervous. I hate the fact that it's Oregon of all the teams, but um, I think Oregon has a pretty good chance to knock Virginia out. So. And, uh, We'll just have to see what happens. Okay. Well, Dan, before we go, now listen, if I'm going to do all this shady work for you and go change your bracket in the middle of the NCAA <laughs> tournament, um, do I have your assurance that if you win the grand prize to Napa Valley that you're going to be taking me as your guest? Or do you do you intend to take somebody else? Uh, you're going to have a hard time uh, wrestling that trip away from my wife. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, well, I hope you're having a good time with the, uh, the unfiltered madness. We're so thankful to Evergreen Golf Call. We're thankful to the 2,000 people who are participating, including yourself, Dan. Next year, listen, if you don't win it this year, next year, can you do it a little more carefully so that when you have a 12 over a 5, you actually click it online, please? I'll work on that, Mitch. Okay. Thank you, Dan. Thanks for being with us. Thank you. Unfiltered. All right, as people are listening to this, if they're listening on Thursday, Sweet 16 tonight, or if they're listening on Friday, Sweet 16 tonight, if you waited till Saturday, Sweet 16 is over, Elite Eight <laughs> is starting. Do you have a game that you've circled? Is there any I got game? two. Okay, give me a game. I've got two games that I'm really, really anxious to see. Okay. Florida State, Gonzaga. Florida State knocked them out last year. Am I right and about that? In my bracket, I have Florida State me getting too. them. Me too, but I'm an anti-weasel guy. Really interested to see that. The other game? Virginia, Oregon. So we've got two Northwest kind of flavors, and I, I'm not picking that because of the Northwest flavor. I think those are fascinating games for very, very different reasons. I think those two games, for me, I can't wait to watch. Okay. Um, and you're still sticking by your guns, Duke, North Carolina in the final. Correct. All right, give me a PS on the Huskies. Great season. Unbelievable season. If you Should we hang our heads over the North Carolina no, performance or not? North Carolina, in your bracket, is the national champion. I think they're the best team in the, on the I, board. I think they might be the best team. I'm not sure they're going to win. Okay. Obviously, I picked Duke. I think they are the best team. Um, if you would have told me 27 wins uh, or outright Pac-12 championship, uh, you get to uh, you win a game in the tournament and you lose to potentially the national champion. Um, all of those things for a program that hasn't been there in eight years, I'm signing up for it every day, twice on Sunday. So – as disappointing as it was to finish the last month of the season, uh, you know, losing some games, as disappointing as it was to lose in a in a blowout fashion against North Carolina, overall, for the blood, sweat, and tears of those seniors and what they accomplished going from, you know, 2-16 and 16 to going 15-3 and three in the in league and, and putting this program back in the NCAA tournament – phenomenal phenomenal year and and reason to be excited about future years whether mcdaniels comes or not yeah i mean you got isaiah, isaiah stewart you got yeah. isaiah stewart you got quad a green you've got the returning guys in nazaya carter i'm super super excited about jamal bay especially the I way you played against. your tweet yes yeah i mean physically i like carter too I yeah think carter bay yeah. if if hamir wright can come on the two guys that no one saw nate robertson brian penn johnson the big guys. Battles coming in, right? Yes, Raekwon Battle, right. uh, Marcus Shoshonis from Portland. Um, you know, so you've got some 
some new blood. It's a, I mean, it's a completely revamped team. You're everybody's used to seeing. It's like seeing Christian Leitner and Bobby yeah. Hurley forever and ever. It's like when are these guys going to graduate? That is the four seniors at Washington. Yeah. But you've got some new blood. I mean, it would be great if Jalen Noel stayed. And I'm not saying that for the University of Washington's sake. I think I'm saying that for Jalen Noel's sake. I think it'd be great for him. What do you for, think he's going to do? I, don't, I have no idea. I have no inside information. I have no idea. So he can do one of three things, and people know this, but we'll, for the people who don't. Um, he could just say, I'm staying. Yep. He can just say, I'm leaving. Yep. He can go out and test the waters and not sign with an agent, see what they say, go through some workouts, and then make the decision. Yes. I would say the odds are that's the way he's going to go. I mean, that's the way a lot of these guys go that are in the conversation. I can tell you that a lot of these websites, they do not consider him a first-round pick. Mm -hmm. Now, you got to be careful with that because we don't know the financial condition around the kid's family. We don't sure. know what's going on. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of kids that are in the – I'll give you an example. Tyus Battle. Mm -hmm. You know Tyus yeah, Battle? Yeah. Uh, he, he did what we just talked about last year came back, did not sign with an agent, went through the workouts, came back. He is still considered a second-round pick at best. Right. He didn't have a particularly great year at Syracuse. Mm -hmm. He's going out. He's signing with an agent because what he has decided is, yeah, I'm probably not a first-round pick, but I am what I am. Right. And I'm not going to be – if I can't – if I haven't improved myself up until now, I'm probably next year's not going to do much. Isaiah Thomas went through the same thing. Exactly. Now, I don't know that Jalen Noel is in that situation. I think there's more to his game. I do too. And I think he can improve himself in the eyes of the scouts. I agree. I think unlike Isaiah Thomas who – Isaiah Thomas is his, – his entire game – or restriction was on his height and his right. size. It right. wasn't on his ability. So he wasn't going to grow. He was still going to be a late second round to undrafted if he was in the in the the, the mix. Jalen Noel has a chance to come back, prove that he can handle the ball better, run a team better, do all the little things, be a leader a little better. Um, you know, yes, you're going to pick up some other things in terms of you know shots and all that. Even though he shoots it at a high clip for twos and threes right but he has the chance to be able to show that for a guy who's a tweener he I think he needs that so this is not me trying to be you know trumpeting and cheerleading for him to come back to the University that. of Washington I like that. I'm all of, I'm pro kid I know you are I am pro I kid are. I know you are uh, so, but I, I honestly think it would be the best thing for him to be able to then we, here's the one other thing just real quick it's always better to be on the board at the beginning of the year I'm a first-round pick to start, not play my way into it. When he starts, if he comes back to the University of Washington, he is on the draft board. Now, whether that is whether that is twenty, yeah, twenty-two to thirty-four, right. he's on the board versus starting off the board, starting off the board, and trying to play his yeah. way on the board. Right. You're in a much better right. situation. And when you talked about all the reasons to be encouraged about the team and all the players that you mentioned. Yeah. What you didn't do, and maybe I didn't catch it because I don't know a lot of the guys you mentioned, what you didn't do is tell me a natural point guard, except for Green. Green, come January of 2020, when he comes to the transfer from mm -hmm. Kentucky, he's more of a natural point guard. I would think that at least up until January, that Mike Hopkins will put the ball in Jalen Noel's hands. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying he'll be a point guard in the NBA, but it can't hurt to show NBA executives, you can put the ball in my sure. hand. I can make great decisions. I can be a great distributor. I can be, I, you know, I can score because yep. I've already shown you, and I'm going to yep. show you some more. That I'm going to score. And 
I could see, and I know that you and I have laughed about this, I could see Noel at the top of the zone, moving mm-hmm. from his bottom spot on the zone to the top, where he gets opportunities like Matisse Thibel got, getting his hands on balls, loose balls, making steals, more than he has the opportunity at the bottom of that 2-3 zone with the people that you're talking about, yeah. um, Isaiah Stewart and all these, a lot of post guys coming yeah. back. So he might end up at the top of that zone. So there are ways for him next year if he comes back to say, hey, here's some new dimensions to my game. Yeah. Here's some other dimensions that I have that maybe you don't know. I, I hope he comes back. I'm a little bit pro-college and you're <laughs> pro-kid. Just uh, uh, kind of selfishly, I can yeah. see how good they could be, especially if McDaniels decides to join Stewart and Noel. Mm-hmm. You know, let's roll. The, let's start now. Yeah. Let's. If that is the case, can we start tomorrow? If I th- can't wait to if see If they're that. able to figure out a way to get him to right. come to Washington, then all of a sudden. So we'll see. Yeah. We'll see on Jalen Noel. A yeah. couple of other quickies, yep. and then we'll go. Um, Washington State apparently, apparently is going to hire the San Francisco head coach, a guy named Kyle Smith, 49, younger than me. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Two straight 20-win seasons at San Francisco after coming from the Ivy League Columbia. Apparently he's a... He's a whiz kid. Yep. Not kid, but um, I don't know. Do you have any any inside info? Any if, thoughts? If in fact that deal gets done, yeah. Fantastic hire. Oh, you know about this guy. The reason? No, I don't know a ton about him. Okay. But here's why I tell you, I think it's a fantastic hire for Washington State. And I might catch a lot of flack for this, but I'm I'm okay with that. I I, I think there's with Washington State. I think there's 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 not a ton of ways to be successful. They're just. I was going to ask you if there's any way to be there, successful. There is. And you just throw Tony Bennett at me, well, and that'll shut me up. Well, but, boy, I wonder how you do it. It's the, how do you it's do it? It's the same way that Mike Leach is successful in football. You have to have a gimmick. And I don't mean that, there's, I don't mean that the football program is a gimmick. I mean that their style of a play, hook. there's a hook right. to their style of play. Okay. If Coach Smith – is got an analytics bent in which that is the way that he is focusing he and recruiting. He views the college basketball world. Yes. You can recruit and win to that kind of system, just like Tony Bennett recruited and won, like his father Dick Bennett won, on, on a system. If you're just trying to out-recruit people at Washington State, you are going to lose. You're absolutely going to lose. So I think it's a fantastic hire. I think – I think. Um, you know, it's exactly the kind of thing that you need to do if you're Washington State. And so I, I, I think it's a home run hire if, in fact, that gets done. At the time of this recording, there's a story that's circulating in the world of sports about the majority owner of the AAF, a guy by the name of Tim Dundon, mm-hmm. who owns the Carolina NHL team, saying that he may be ready to close the season and close the thing down now, like immediately. And I'm what? saddened by that. Yeah. So there's this, uh, apparently behind closed doors, there's this soap opera going on that the NFLPA uh-huh. is not allowing the young players, the really young players, to play in the AAF. And that's what they were, we're going to use as on. their bread and butter uh-huh. because they were going to call it a developmental league. for the. They're going to be the triple A of the right. NFL. The NFLPA is, is not dancing with them. And so he said on the day that we're recording this, Look, if I can't get any movement, and he just put in $250 million, I may have to shut the whole thing down like right now, like in the next two or three days, like in the middle of the season. Just when Ricky Neuheisel 
had his hot shots. Shot, shot, shot. Yeah, dancing <laughs> and rolling. He's going to – I mean, we're, we're talking about a shutdown in the middle of the oh, season. I think that that would, be, that would be terrible. It would be terrible. There's a lot of young guys that are getting opportunities For in sure. these leagues, in this league, on these teams, I should say, that it would be just a shame to take that opportunity away from him. And finally, opening day in Major League Baseball. You once told me that before basketball, you were a baseball guy. I was. You were a little baseball player. Yep. Um. If people are listening to this on the Thursday, then it's opening night tonight. Mm -hmm. And uh, who do you got? You, you like Marco Gonzalez or Chris Sale? Uh, Chris <laughs> Sale seems to be uh, <laughs> seems to seems to have a pedigree that's pretty good. I don't know. All right, you want to know what? But all I know is the Mariners are two and zero. Oh. If the season ended today, <laughs> which it doesn't, and it's stupid to even talk about the uh -huh. Mariners, uh -huh. would you like to guess what the and now you can figure this out, even though you're not a Vegas guy. One eighty-two and zero. What do you think the over/under on wins this season? For, so for, for the, the Mariners, Mariners yeah. What, Ve what Vegas is saying? What Vegas? So you can walk up, you can yeah. saunter up with a cocktail in one hand, yeah. and say, "I want to bet on over for even money." Seventy-five. Very good. What is it? Very good. What is it? Seventy-one. Seventy-one. Vegas is saying seventy-one and ninety-one. Mm -hmm. They won eighty-nine last year. 71 are you ready for so a then 70? i would then i would have been taking the over then with my 75 i don't think yeah i yeah. i think they may win more than 71 but not many um would you like to know what the mariners if the yankees are six to one and the favorites to win the world series you want to know what the mariners are uh i would say they are 50 to one higher 75 to one one dollar wins 75 if they win the world series higher 90 to 1? One? $1 wins $90 if they win the World Series. Higher? 120 to 1. Keep going until you hear the bell. It doesn't start with a 2, does it? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was going to go for a while. How about 250? Oh, my gosh. $1 gets you 250. Uh, American League uh, MVP favorite, Mike Trout, mm -hmm. followed by Mookie Betts, Aaron Judge, Alex Bregman, and Carlos Correa. National League MVP favorite, betting favorite, Bryce Harper, followed by Nolan Arenado, Paul Goldschmidt, Chris Bryant, Manny Machado, who's now in the National League. Mm -hmm. um, AL Cy Young Award front runner, odds wise, Corey Kluber. That's your guy. Follow, followed by Chris Sale, Luis Severino, Justin Verlander, Carlos Carrasco, Garrett Cole, Blake Snell out of Shore. Line, Shore, Wood, High School. Which one is the high school? Shore, Wood, High there's School. Both. Right here. Oh, there's both? Yeah. Okay. Um, Marco Gonzalez, you can bet You can bet $100 on Marco to win the Cy Young. You win 10000 <laughs> if he wins it. You can bet 100 bucks on Felix Hernandez to win the Cy Young. You win $30,000 if Felix just has a renaissance year. Just all of a sudden... Goes back to the old Felix. Yeah, that's not a hundred I'm willing to spend. Uh, anyway, uh, and your boy Justice Sheffield, mm -hmm. who's starting the year, I believe, in Tacoma, not on the team, is the fourth favorite, the fourth betting favorite for the American League Rookie, rookie of, the of the Year. Vlad oh, Guerrero nice. Jr. is the top favorite. Yeah. Opening day. Love opening day in Major League Baseball. All right, we've covered a lot. Yep. People are waiting. Yeah. You're just not going to hesitate. You're not going to be denied on this. No, it's a two-namer. No. It's a two-namer. I think the words were, that's so weak. It's a, it's what did a, I do? I did a two 
Namer. You were very, very strong about it being one Do you want to hear my two names? Yes. Episode Lou Alcinder slash Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Oh. It is still the same guy. We're not hybrid in that. It's the same guy. Well, is it is it episode Kareem Alcinder? Or is it Lou, Lou Jabbar? Jabbar? I like it. It's Lou right. Jabbar. And you're ready for the Twitter backlash. It's people the want same Larry Bird. Everybody guy. wants Larry Bird. A lot well, of people I'm want sorry. Larry Bird. Check the stats. All right, then you take us out. Episode Lou Jabbar is in the books. Flight 209 into Denver Radio. Climbing to cruise at 42,000. We'll report again over Lincoln. Over and out. Wait a minute. I know you. You're Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. You play basketball for the Los Angeles Lakers. I'm sorry, son, but you must have me confused with someone else. My name is Roger Murdoch. I'm the co-pilot. You are Kareem. I've seen you play. My dad's got season tickets. I think you should go back to your seat now, Joey. Right, Clarence? Oh, he's not bothering anyone. Let him stay here. All right, but just remember, my name is Roger Murdoch. I'm an airline pilot. I think you're the greatest, but my dad says you don't work hard enough on defense. And he says that lots of times you don't even run down court. And that you don't really try, except during the playoffs. The hell I don't. Listen to you. I've been hearing that crap ever since I was at UCLA. I'm out there busting my buns every night. Tell your old man to drag Walton and Lanier up and down the court for 48 minutes. Joey, you like movies about gladiators?